There are a lot of ways to say quit. Stop. Cease and desist. Retreat. Run away. Give up. Surrender. While quitting usually has negative connotations, it's often what we quit and who we quit that serves as the margin of victory or defeat. It's knowing when to say no to things that can save us the most. Competing with culture, yelling at loved ones, lying to your friends, feeding your addictions, sinking further into debt and clinging to bitterness. None of these things are serving you or the people you care about the most. So what's stopping you from saying, I quit to things that can destroy you and your loved ones? In this series at AC, we will explore how to say, I quit and cast off the burdens that are holding you back from living your best life in Christ. So today, I want to talk to you about being free so that you can be who God wants you to be. But in order to be free, you got to be willing to get free. Why don't you look at your neighbor real quick and say, get free. Throughout this series, I had about 10 messages that, that I was ideas or, you know, topics that I thought, man, these would be great with only five weeks. Uh, and so I thought, hey, if I combined a couple weeks, maybe that would be okay. And then I thought, if I do that, I'll definitely preach too long and our kids' workers will get really mad at me, you know, whatever the case would be. And so I was really just every week almost praying, God, what do you want me to say and what do you want me to focus on this week? And there was a couple weeks ago, and I was really debating over these last two weeks of what God wanted to say. And I woke up early in the morning, and it was just very clear what God wanted me to talk about. And so today I tell you this. God wanted me to talk about this topic with you. I did not want to talk about it with you. I didn't want to preach on it. And, uh, and it's because it's not always an easy thing. It's not always, uh, you know, culturally accepted to talk about financial issues. And specifically today, I want to kind of look at the debt of our life. And I want to say this, that, that Jess and I uh, aren't completely debt-free in our lives, but we are free to be who God's called us to be. We are free enough financially that we could be obedient to the Lord's call on our life to plant this church. And and when we left a a larger church in Oklahoma with a very comfortable salary and and, uh, Jess had no, was able to stay at home and work without any pressure on us financially to do so. And then we moved back here uh, to live our, our first year on a budget of about $45,000 a year with a two-year-old and a three-month-old in Lewis Center, right? That's just where we were at. And so we had to make some significant sacrifices. Uh, you know, I call them significant. I, I also call them first world problems, right? You know, some things. We, we didn't go on vacation those first few years. We didn't get to do some of those things that, you know, that, that normally we would have done. And we didn't get to eat out as much as we would have wanted to maybe and, and maybe buy the, the gifts or presents for our kids that we wanted to. We made some sacrifices. And so we aren't completely debt free, but, but I do believe that, that, that you don't ever put yourself in a position where you acquire debt at the expense of your freedom. At the expense of the flexibility to be who God's called you to be. But it wasn't always that way for me. My freshman year at Ohio State, I remember coming into the student union to go get some lunch. And uh, sure enough, they were giving away free t-shirts, right? And that always catches your attention. I'm like, oh, a free t-shirt? What do I got to do to get a free t-shirt? Yeah. Oh, you just got to fill out this application. Oh, no problem. Yeah, what is this for? What's your name? Oh, Discover. Oh, yeah, Discover. I love to discover new things. What, are you, what am I going to discover with you, you know? So I fill it out. And I'm like, yeah, we'll mail you some stuff. And, and there I was, an 18-year-old kid, and I got my first credit card with a $1,300 limit. 
I was rich. I was broke 13, so I, I did what any 18-year-old undisciplined college student would do. I went out and got some new clothes and, you know, bought some stuff I didn't really need, right? And it was this magical experience for the first time where I was able to reach into my own financial future and grab some money that I could spend right now. It was beautiful. I could, I could have now what really I couldn't afford until later. You see, and that's what our country has come to. Back in the day, debt was actually viewed as a very bad thing. Debt was an indication that things weren't actually going well for you, so you never wanted to be in, in debt. And, and statistically, you look at this, before the Great Depression, 2% of homes had a, mortgage, had, had a mortgage against them. 40 years later, only 2% of the homes did not have a mortgage against them. Our country switched. We, we embraced different values. We, we made a change in, in how we viewed our, our wealth and how we viewed money. And so our nation is totally different now, right? The, the wealthier you are, the more you can actually owe. The, the, the more money you have, the more you can actually borrow. And last week we talked about what I call the comparison curse, where we begin to compare our lives to someone else's. And the comparison curse to me probably drives debt in our lives, financial uh, bondage more than anything else, where we aren't free financially because we buy things that we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. But if they have it, God knows I should have it too. I deserve what they have. And we don't even know their financial situation or how much money they have or don't have, and, and we, we compete, and, and we com- we're, we're aware of what they have, so we compare, and then we compete. But I can I tell you this, the, the, the less you compare, which we talked about last week, the less you care. And when you can, don't care about what others think of you, and you don't care about living up to a certain ideal and culture, and, 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 and per, you know, just whatever perception that people have of you, you can really embrace the freedom that God has for you to be who he's called you to be. Because that's the amazing thing that I think is such, to me, a very humbling thing, is that God knows you individually and has a unique calling and purpose for your life that's even different from mine. And he wants you to be free so that you can be who he's called you to be. Because when you are who he's called you to be, when you can step into that place in your life, I promise you, that is the life that Jesus came to give you. He said, I've come to give you life and life at its fullest, but you can't Be at your fullest when you can't really do what God wants you to do in your life. And I believe some of you have callings on your life and and your financial picture and your financial situation has kept you from being able to really pursue that. You see, debt is the new normal in our culture. It's the new normal in our lives. But how many of you know we're not called to be normal? We're not called to just blend in. We're not called to just go with the flow and, and drift with the current. We're called to be different. And financially in this world, to conform and to transform to, into a new identity and who God's called us to be, it, call, it go, you got to go against the grain. you got to swim upstream. But it is possible to do it. Today I believe God wants some of you to be free financially so that you can do so that you can pursue his will for your life. You see, debt is a weight that burdens every area of your life. Every area. Do you know what the number one cause of divorce is? Anyone? Money. And it's not having too much of it. Right? It's not having more than enough. Oh, honey, spend whatever you want. Yeah, you go and do that. You just go ahead. Keep buying all that. Yeah, you know, get that, get the makeup. Go to the mall, girl. Get, do what you want. Get your hair done. Do what you want. Yeah, go golfing, honey. Go ahead. Get your boat. Go ahead. Do all that, right? That's not it. 
We, we, the, the, the weight of debt, the, the, the financial pressures cause so much tension in our relationships because we aren't free. And so then every penny counts and we're living in a certain way and, and there's tension and there's fighting and, and we fight over money and it ends up causing divorce and marriages and families to be torn apart. And so debt is a weight that burdens every area of your life where you can't really be. Yeah, you, you'd love to have a different career and you're not fulfilled in what you're doing, but there's no way you can quit. Because to do that, you'd have to take a step back. And you can't take a step back and continue to live where you're at. And financially, we've found ourselves strapped and tied to things that God doesn't want us to be tied to. Solomon, who, as we talked about last week, was the wisest and the wealthiest man in the world. He said this about our financial situation, about debt in particular. He's Proverbs 22.7. The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is slave to the lender. And listen, it's not the lender's fault. We have a lot of people who work for Chase, okay? God bless you. We love you. Chase owns the mortgage on my home. I cut him a check every month. They're good to us, right? Because it's not Chase's fault. It's an individual thing. But Solomon says that when you, when you borrow, you become slave to whoever holds that loan, to the lender. I think if you could talk to the Warren Buffetts and the Bill Gates and the CEOs of Amazon and Google and these companies, they would tell you that you kind of have a choice to make in life, that you can either be someone who pays interest or someone who makes interest. And you got to decide which one you want to be. And you can be that. And this was actually God's idea. When God was establishing Israel as a nation, he made several kind of conditional promises that was tied to their obedience to God. If you obey me, he, he goes through a full list of things that are promises in Deuteronomy that you could check out. But he said, one sign of my blessing and your obedience will be the ability to lend money and not have to borrow it. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight twelve, it says, the Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and bless all the work of your hands. And you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. How many of you know that's not the picture of our nation today? Right? I saw the statistic. I think it's 22 or getting closer to $23 trillion in debt. And it multiplies every second in the nation that we're in. And we used to be a nation that was this way. It wasn't always that way in, in our country, right? We used to be in a nation that says it's better to, to make interest than to, to pay interest, that borrowing was, was not what we wanted to do as a nation or as individuals. And we, we can remember, maybe some of you can, and, and, and maybe you remember maybe your grandparents' lifestyle, but I remember my grandparents, and I remember even a time where we growing up where, where you never borrowed, you never did something. If you wanted something and you couldn't afford it, if you didn't pay cash for it, you did something called layaway. Some of you know layaway. Some of the young people are like, layaway. Lay where? Lay what? Lay what? Like, you lay away for another day. You lay away. And so you go into a store and you go, hey, I want this thing. I need this washing machine. I need this, whatever. And so you'd go in and you'd put some money down and they would hold it for you until you could afford it. Until you could pay. And every month you could make a payment and, and you know, you would do it in secret because you didn't want anybody to know you had anything on layaway. Actually, Walmart has started this again. And there's been times throughout the holidays, you may have seen in the news, where you know, someone with wealth will go in and say, hey, I paid off everybody's layaway. And they'd be like, what? I get it. And the cool thing about layaway was, it's different from today, is that when you actually got what you were paying for, it was brand new. Now, we borrow 
right? And then when we pay it off, we trade it and get something else. Because it's not new anymore. It's old. It's, it's, it's the upside down principle, right? We've, we've literally reversed the way we do things in our nation. And, and rich people definitely didn't have to do layaway. They paid cash. That was my grandparents. My grandparents passed away this last year. Uh, last year, and, and they were, you know, my mom and my uncle, and then we're going through the state and getting everything worked out, and, and my parents, grandparents were blessed people, and I remember later in their life, they were trying to get them to move everything out of their checking and savings account into a trust account, and my grandma was like, I don't trust trust, you know, I need my money in the bank, I need to have cash, because if I need cash, I'm gonna, I need to go be able to buy something if I need it, and that's just the way they viewed it. I, I have cash, I need to have it ready so that I can spend, I'm not gonna lock it up in a trust or into the stock market or anything like that, because that was the old school mindset of the way you used to handle your money, and the way we would handle our money in country, and obviously we've drifted and shifted so far from that. So why do we live in a culture, right, where, where essentially what we do now, instead of paying cash and being prepared, right? We consume and purchase our way into what Solomon says is slavery. Where we're actually enslaved to lenders. And we aren't free to be who God's called us to be. We aren't free to pursue and to do the will of God in our life because we're controlled by someone else. And that's really why we're in this position. And this is the part where it's hard to preach. And, and listen, I'm not preaching out of a place of perfection or, or you know, mastered all this in my life. But, but it's simple. We, we find ourselves enslaved, not because of the borrower or the, the lender. It's not their fault. It's, it's our fault because we lack self-control. And whether it's competing and comparing and, and wanting things that we really can't afford and trying to get to a place quicker than we should, right? Not having the, the, the ability to delay our gratification and to set aside, right? And we purchase and consume our way into a place of slavery because we've lacked the control that we really need. So that's the good thing is that if you find yourself enslaved financially and you're not financially free, to be who you want to be and who God's called you to be and live the life that you really want to have, with self-control, you can get out of it. With discipline, you can overcome it. Most of us in this room are watching online day, right? We, we don't have an income problem in our area. We have a spending problem. We don't have a financial issue, and it's not maybe for everybody, but for most of us, it's, it's a discipline issue. Proverbs 28, 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken is a person who lacks self-control. So when the walls of your life are broken, and when the walls of a city are broken, right, you become vulnerable and defenseless in that culture. Right? The, the wall was what defends you. And it says those who lack self-control become like a city who becomes conquered and controlled by someone else. And he says that's what happens in our finances. This is true in every area of our life, but especially in our finances, that when we don't exercise self-control, you give control to someone else. And you say things like this, well, I want to, but I can't. I really wish I could, but I can't. And God wants you to have control of your life financially so that you can be free. So that you can do and pursue his will for your life. But you got to be willing to get free. So you can be who God's called you to be. I've been pastoring now for a long time. And I've never met anybody who loved God and loved his church and his mission and his kingdom in the world who didn't want to invest financially into things. And generosity, again, the church is fine. We're not taking up a, an, an extra offering today. You know, 
we're all good, okay? This isn't about the church. This isn't about the church's financial thing. This isn't about you giving here to the church. It's not about that. This is about you as an individual being free to pursue the will of God and to do the will of God. But I said at the beginning that to have the financial freedom that you need to be who God's called you to be, to step into his purpose and his plan for your life, and to be generous the way that God wants you to be towards his kingdom. God chose us to fund his work in the world, just his system. It's his business model, if you will. And he's called us that one of the benchmarks of a, of a believer is that they are generous with their life, with their time, with their gifts, with their resources. And I've never met a believer, again, who loves God and who loves his kingdom and Not just the church, outside of the church, that they fund things, they invest in things, they give of their time and their resources to the things of God. Who says they don't want to, it's that I want to, but I can't because they, the lender, are the ones in control. And I can't take off work because I owe, and I can't do because I owe. See, debt impacts our ability, not our desire to be generous. And that's where I think most of us are where most of us want to be more generous with our time and our resources and want to do that. We want to be free to follow God, to follow his plan, to follow his ways in our life. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said it like this. Nobody can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God, and then notice the word he used here, and be enslaved to money and bondage and debt and here, this word money in, is actually the word mammon. And Jesus is saying you can't serve both God and mammon. And mammon is, is an Aramaic word that actually means riches. And it's, there's really kind of a heart and a spirit to what Jesus is talking about here, where there's a spirit in the world. There's a spirit of mammon. There's a spirit of riches where it says, don't trust God, trust in your stuff. Don't trust God, trust in yourself. You don't need God. You can operate independently of God. You don't need God. So there's a spirit of mammon where we put our trust, where we begin to serve our wealth and our money because we have put our trust and our hope in it. And Jesus is going, you can't follow me and live like that. You can't adapt to to the ways of this world. You see, the spirit of mammon wants to rule, and it's looking for servants is what Jesus said here. Looking for servants to to enslave. And Jesus says, you can't serve both of us. you got to decide which one. You see, mammon promises everything and delivers nothing. It's the way of this world. Mammon says, buy and sell. God says, sow and reap. Mammon says, cheat and steal and do what you need to do to get to the top. And God says, if you want to be blessed, you give. And you give and then you'll receive. But more than anything, mammon just wants to rule in your life because if you are enslaved to that spirit, enslaved to that mindset, you will never be who God wants you to be. You will never be free to step into your purpose. You will never be free to live life at its fullest with the joy and the peace that comes in serving God and being obedient to his ways. That's what God wants to you, that the spirit stands in direct opposition to the spirit of God and what he wants for your life. And so Jesus literally says, you have to decide which one you're going to serve. So you can't follow Christ and be enslaved to anything else. And that's why we've been talking through this series about getting free in your life, free of comparison, free of sinful appetites and things that just hold you back that the enemy promises will fulfill and never do. And God says, I want my kids to, be, to live life to the full, to be free. And part of that comes financially. But there's some problems with debt-free living. 
That's why most of us struggle to do it. Some financial freedom comes at a cost. One, you can't have everything that you want. (laughs) And please, can we help teach this to the next generation? My kids included. Because they get whatever they want. And they're in a culture. And you can look at generationally with these newer generations starting the millennials and now and not against any millennials in the room or whoever. But there's a certain mindset. There's certain entitlement that is not because of them. It's because of the environment that they've been raised in. They have access to whatever they want. My grandparents who paid cash, they, they were born around the time of the Great Depression. So they know what it is to have none. That's why they hold on to their stuff. Because my stuff could be gone. Right? So there's a certain mindset where when we have to teach the next generation. It can be little things. Something with my kids is they, whenever they get money for their birthday or someone gives them money, it goes in their piggy bank. And there's times where we will allow them to spend some of their money. And so there was a couple weeks ago on a Friday, we went to the mall and uh, we, Jess was looking at, I don't know, something. And so Maddox and I walked through the Disney store. We're just walking through and looking at stuff. And they had a sale on their stuffed animals. They were $12. And Maddox has been learning about money. He goes, Dad, this is $12. This is 12 bucks, son. He goes, I'd like to spend some of my own money. I go, that's your money. You can decide to do that if you want. So Maddox bought a Nemo stuffed animal. It's cute, right? Carrying around Nemo around. Everybody so, thought they were so clever when they go, now don't lose him. He's tough to find, right? It's like, yeah. So he's carrying Nemo around the mall. Of course, we go and pick, we pick Riley up from school. And he immediately, because they compare and compete against each other, he goes, look what I got today. She goes, well, I didn't get anything. I wanted to spend my money at the store the other day, and mom said I couldn't. She goes, that's true. I did say that. So she's all upset and crying. I said, here's the deal, Riley. I will take you to the mall tomorrow. You can, I'll take you right back to the Disney store. We'll go on a date. We'll have lunch, and you can pick whatever you want. She goes, okay. So she goes in the store, and she spends 15 minutes looking at all these stuff. Animals. Moana, which one do you I don't know which one I want. Daddy, but she's getting a little bit older. She goes, Daddy, can I go to the Justice store, which is like right around the corner? And Justice is overpriced stuff for, for little girls, right? And so we're looking at that. And she goes, hey, Daddy, it's a cool shirt that turns colors and has sequence on it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's a $25 shirt. She goes, 20 She goes, the stuffed animal is only 12 I, I know. You're going to have to decide, right? So she goes around the store, and she's torn how she wants to spend this money. Torn. Finally, she finds on the shelf a little house that's soft fleece thing that you can carry your stuffed animals around in. It's a stuffed animal carrier, like a dog carrier, but for stuffed animals. She goes, Dad, this is unbelievable. I can put Bunny in this and carry Bunny around. I go, well, if you want it. She goes, how much is this? She looks, I go, it's $15. She goes, well, that's less than the shirt. I go, yep, but it's still more than the other stuffed animal. She goes, yeah, Dad, I know, but I really want this. I was like, all right, let's get in line. She gets in line. She pays. She gets it. We go to Chick-fil-A for a second, get an ice cream cone. And the whole time, she keeps staring at her bag. I go, what's the matter, babe? She goes, oh, nothing. I go, you happy with what you bought? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Daddy. And the whole time, she's looking. So then we're walking back to go to the car, and we have to walk by the store, and she stops. She goes, Dad, am I able to return this? And I go, well, yeah, you can. Why, you don't, you don't want it? It's just too much money. It's just too much money. I don't want to spend my money on that. It's not even her money, right? It was given to her. She didn't earn that money. <laughs> and I, go, I go, okay, you can decide. What, you want to do. what do you want to do? She goes, I want to return it. I go, well, you're going to get in line, and you're going to tell the lady at the register why you're returning it. 
So she does. She gets in line. She returns it. She goes, was there something wrong with it? She was smiling because I was there coaching the whole time. She's the lady smiling. She knew we were just in there. She's like, was there anything wrong with it? She goes, no, it's just too much money. So she returned it. She didn't, and then she didn't buy a stuffed animal. She goes, I'm saving my money for another thing. And I say all that to say is this. It's like, you got to teach them the value of what money is. And it's hard in this culture. But we've lost the, the idea. And this next generation is being raised in an entitlement way where they've had everything. And if we think it's bad now financially, just wait. And we have to invest and teach. And so that's the problem with debt-free living. You can't have everything you want. You can't have everything you can afford. There's some delayed gratification where you don't buy just because you can. Right? You have to live on a budget. Ugh, budget. Just the word sounds gross, doesn't it? Budget. Right? Sounds restricting, right? And here's the thing. When the money runs out, you have to quit spending. That's what it means to live with discipline and self-control in our finances. And it's not the American way. It's not the way of our culture. You're going to be swimming upstream. You're going to be going against the grain. But I'm telling you, it will become your way anyway, so choose to make it your way now because the same thing happens when the credit runs out. Guess what? can't have everything you want. You can't even have the things that you once could afford. You have to live on a budget. And when the money runs out and the credit runs out, you have to quit spending. In our culture, we drift into these things. No one sets out, right? We talked about that with sinful appetites. No one has their first drink or has their first hit or begins to look at things that they shouldn't be and thinks it's going to end in an affair or thinks they're going to end up in bondage to, to alcohol and enslaved to something. No one ever starts out. It's the same way financially. But we live in a world that promotes it, right? I was 18. I walked onto campus and they said, here's 1300 bucks at 20% interest. Well, I can afford the minimum payment. I'm in. Let's do it. Right? We live in a world that promotes this. And so we, we drift into these situations almost as a product of our environment. But I'm telling you, you, you may drift into it, but you only can dig your way out of it. That's why most people don't get out. Because it's hard. Because it's difficult. But with God's help, I'm here to tell you today, you can get free financially. You can be free to be who God's called you to be. You can, and you, you, you have to be willing to put in the work to do it, though. Those who have made the long climb out of, out of the pit of debt, digging their way out, will tell you it's painful. It requires sacrifice. It requires what feels like going backwards. It requires going and doing without what others have. It requires discipline and self-control. It was a lack of those things that gets you into it, And it's going to be that that gets you out of it. But as we talked about in week one, you can. What seems impossible with you and your situation. You go, Kyle, you don't even understand. I've made some poor decisions and I'm here and this is this. And I I may not know all the details, but I I know this. that, That it is possible to get out. I've seen people who were in very challenging spots financially climb their way out with discipline and self control. And here's the beautiful thing is that oftentimes it happens faster than you think. With God's help. But people who get out, let me tell you, they don't begin the discussion with, well, we need to cut back, but listen, my direct TV is off limits. Yeah, I gotta have that sports package, babe. I mean, come on, right? 
You can, I'll, I'll sacrifice here, but not there, right? You know, hey, you know, yeah, we need to cut back, but let's definitely not sell in my boat. <laughs> That's my boat, you know. We got a relationship. We are lake people, right? This is how we live, right? Or, hey, you know, I, I, we need to cut back. I'm not, qu- I'm not, but, you know, I still got to golf every Friday. That's just part of who I am, babe. That's how I, that's how I unwind. We come up with all these excuses. No, people who get out of debt, they put everything on the table. Because the smartest people know that the shortest path to financial strength is generally the best path. So what do we do? The band's coming, and I'm going to quit talking about this fun topic. But what are some action steps that we need to take? First is very simple. You've got to embrace the value of self-discipline and control. I know. It's hard. It's difficult. But you've got to be willing to embrace that. Discipline will pay off. Discipline will get where you want to be, controlling those things in our life. Then you need to get a plan, and you've got to stick to it. You've got to develop a plan. I had someone after first service who's a financial planner. He said, anybody in the church who wants free financial planning, I'll do it. I said, I'll tell them. So the church, we don't want to just tell you what you need to do. We want to help you. So if you need financial planning advice, come talk to us. Send us an email. The other thing we're going to be offering is called Financial Peace University. If you've heard of Dave Ramsey, this is his thing. This is what he does for people. And today I could have given you a lot more of his details and even taught some of his stuff to you to help you. But I really felt like, you know what, if you really want it, you want to get out of debt, you're going to have to invest in it. And so it's not a, there's a fee to take the class. We don't charge it. It's just buying the, the material that you need, the books and stuff that you need. But if you really want it, right, it's a small investment. So we're going to be offering this class. And they'll teach you how to get out of debt, how to do these things to get in a way where you can have the financial freedom you want so that you can be who God's called you to be. And then lastly is you got to just trust God. And what I mean by that is saying you've got to trust that God's way is better because our world's way is this. Live, save, give. Live on what you have, right? Or more than you have. Give if you can a little. Save if you can, right? Hopefully you have enough foresight to at least set up some kind of retirement. And so, and then, and then give if you can. Give if you have any left over. Again, God's principles. I, I call them the principles of the upside down kingdom. It's literally the exact opposite. You give first. You save second, you plan for your future, and then you live on the rest with discipline and self-control. I said at the very beginning, Jess and I are not completely debt-free, but we are financially free to be who God's called us to be. We're financially free to plant this church and to take a step and to do this and to step out, and God has blessed us in tremendous ways for being obedient to that. And then we're financially free to generously invest in God's kingdom. Not just here at Adventure Church and Next and all the things that we're doing as a church, but even outside of these places. And I can tell you that the biggest checks we write every month are to the first two things on that list. To generosity, to our future. And then we live on the rest. We're not perfect. There's times where we make mistakes. Get things we don't need. We're, we're human. But you've got to embrace these principles. This is God's way. You have to trust that his way is better. His way is a way to freedom. 
His way is a way to fulfillment. Where we get to a place where we go, God, I'm withholding nothing from you. I call it palms up living. Palms up. God, I'm not holding anything. That's what this series has been about. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? So that you can embrace the values and the ways of God in your life, right? So you got to get palms up. God, I'm withholding nothing from you. I'm surrendering all I am to you, to your ways and believing that's the way is best. And God, I'm going to embrace the value of hard work and discipline so I can get free to be who you've called me to be. I believe God has amazing plans for some of your life where he wants you to take a career change, but you literally can't because of your situation, where he wants you to embrace a, a new season of life and do certain things and be a certain, right? But you literally are trapped and strapped and you can't. He wants you to be free so that you can be who he's called you to be. And when you can be and step into that for your life, I promise you, be the most fulfilled you'll ever be. If you want it, it's available. But God's looking for palms up kind of people. God withhold nothing from you. It's all on the table.